Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. Oh boy, oh boy, it's Ajituji time again, boys and girls. This is episode 18. We got all kinds of good stuff for you. Do you want to shoot bad guys 70 years ago? Do you want to run around in a really like subpar adventure? Or do you want to play a little deck building game? Do you want to shoot some people? What do you want to do? We got all kinds of stuff for you. Is the sky falling? Is the world coming to an end? You're going to have to find out as we get started in 3, 2, 1, go. Top 5 Releases First up in the releases this week, are you a European nerd who likes soccer and spreadsheets and all kinds mm-hmm. of just weird, like, really analytical dumb stuff and, like, not playing a game at all, but, like, just moving numbers around and, like, trading Billy to Timmy? Well, then have I got the game for you. It's Football Manager 2018. You already know about it because you are that guy, so this is the only game you play. This is developed by Sports Interactive, published by Sega. This dropped on the 10th of November for pc you can get it on steam it's more football manager football manager comes out every single year and it's i won't say it's always the same but you know it's it's your very high level overview of running a a football team a soccer team in europe you get to decide salaries trade players do all the things think madden franchise mode but like to the super nth degree all kinds of crazy stuff in there and if you know it you know it if you don't know it you're probably not going to play it so go check it out if you are a football fan, boom. Not to be outdone by that amazing spreadsheet game, wowzers. That was spectacular. <laughs> the Xbox One X has dropped. As of November 7th, this bad boy is available for you to get your hands on. It runs at a mighty $499.99, $500 for all of you boys and girls out there with all that Woo! cash. I dream of having $500, but hey, if you've got money and you don't want to spend it, Go spend it anyway on a freaking Xbox One X. You know why? Because it's bigger. It's better than the Xbox One S. Why? What? You say how? You say how, what? Matt? How is it better? How, how? How is this possible? Well, let me tell you. First off, most importantly, it runs Blu-ray, 4K, HDR, all that good, happy stuff you want to hear. You got them bad mamma jamma TVs in your house that run thousands of dollars. This machine allows you to play movies and games using all that. All those acronyms and the letters and the numbers. Yeah, exactly. I can use all the letters and all the numbers. Use all the letters and numbers, Matt. And then guess what? It's got like one terabyte hard drive memory. Oh, my God. What is this? Wow. But I've already heard that people say this is not nearly enough because the games that utilize the 4K, HDR, all that good stuff require a ton more memory as well. Yep. Creating a problem. But, hey, you can always get external memory, right? hey <laughs> And spend some more money. <laughs> Do you love having a clogged up hard drive? When I got, if I got the console for you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Woo. Now, <laughs> it sounds like I busted chops on this thing, but it is, a, <laughs> it is an awesome-looking system, everybody. I mean, it looks sexy. It does run all the good stuff. You want to know, like, super-duper specs? Well, that's not the podcast you're freaking supposed to be listening to because there's a nope. bunch of other podcasts who will run in there and give you all the nitty-gritties. But I can tell you it's supposed to run at higher speeds a little bit there, you know, all the, all the good stuff. Take your Xbox One S and say, hey, I want you to do some crack, and then, boom, 
that's the Xbox One X. Okay? That's all you need nice. to know. If you've got the extra money, I would suggest that you buy this one because why not start at the top? Don't you know? Don't cut yourself short. But if you're on a budget and you can't afford it, I still say you're not missing too much because Xbox has promised that they'll be supporting all their games and their catalogs via Xbox One S, Xbox One, and Xbox One X you know, from here on out. So you don't have to go, oh, man, if I don't get this next year, I'm not going to be able to play the newest Xbox One title because they're not even going to support it on the Xbox One S. That's not true, at least as of now. So if that's something that interests you, head on over there to them stores and purchase yourself a $499 Bad Mamba Jamble machine. Next up, it's the biggest release in the history of releases. Oh, man, what drops every single year and sells like 10 billion copies? Oh, it's Call of Duty World War II. This one dropped on the 3rd of November for PC, PS4, and Xbox One, developed by Sledgehammer Games, published by Activision. Uh, if you don't know Call of Duty World War II by now, I already talked about it on a previous episode, so uh, you must have your head in sand. But I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about this one. People really like the um, the HQ mode where you you know you're waiting to queue up for multiplayer, but you get to run around like on this big base and interact with people, get watch people do their loot drops, you know, investigate the different systems, and you get like little tastes of multiplayer too. Like you can do training drills. I hear they even have like a one v one pit where you're where each of you get like a single weapon like i saw people running around with assault rifles i saw people running around with just shovels so i don't know if you like queue up and then say whoa you know vote on what uh, weapon to use but then the people in the queue after that are standing around the pit watching you fight so that's pretty cool i've been hearing a lot of good stuff in the multiplayer there's different classes you can pick that give you different perks like if you're in the expeditionary force you generally are using shotguns so you get incendiary rounds for your shotguns you get different bonuses you know based on different play styles that you would have with these different classes Another cool thing I've heard good stuff about is the war mode, which basically is like a long series of engagements where like oh, if the allies are trying to take out the German anti-aircraft guns, first you have to secure a tank, then you have to build a bridge to get the tank over the bridge, then you have to do this, then you have to do this. If you do all those four things in a row, then your side wins. If the other side stops you at any one of those points, then they win. So it's an elongated narrative to your multiplayer matches other than just run around and shoot and, uh, I don't know, I killed a million guys, but we didn't really like, do anything. So hearing good stuff about that, heard good stuff about the campaign, Nazi Zombies is back, everyone loves Nazi Zombies, so been hearing lots of good stuff about this one. So if you like shooting dudes back in the 1940s instead of being like a cool jetpack person with all kinds of imaginary weapons... I mean, go pick this up. I'm just saying, I heard that Nazi zombie stuff's real good. All sorts of like, miss, you know, like you gotta actually perform tasks and do things and solve puzzles oh, yeah. and whatnot while you're working together there. That sounds like something right up my alley. I was like, yeah, buddy. Yeah, I think they've been building that out over the last few games, but I don't have any friends who play Call of Duty. So anytime I get in, it's just me and like one rando, and he just runs off and dies. And I go, oh, well, I really wanted to figure out how to build the thing and open the. No, no, okay. Never mind. Well, game over. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) This game has been promised to be amazing. (laughs) I'm going to make a prediction that it is not. Comes from a heritage of unfortunate games. (laughs) But this time, for the 15th time, we swear we got it right. (laughs) 
What am I talking about? I'm talking about Sonic Forces, everybody. Yeah, that's right. This game was released November 7th, and it has been released, of course, on the Xbox One, the PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and PC. If you don't know, this game kind of melds all the different genres of Sonic into one. It has your 3D platforming, it has your 2D side-scrolling adventure, and then it has like the rail chase sort of stuff going on with like weird mechanics, funky junk going on. That's what you get. Now, the cool part about this game is you get to finally create your own Sonic Adventure character. That's true, yeah. Yes, because what happens in the beginning of the game, mild spoilers, but not really if you've paid any attention whatsoever to this. I didn't. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. No. Sonic gets beat by Eggman, and so Eggman now rules the world. He's doing all sorts of bad things, and you, as a rebel warrior, have to come up and take Sonic's place and, and handle business. So you That's get to create cool. a character... And everyone's already out there making all sorts of wild characters that look, you know, scary, goofy, funny. You can accessorize them with all sorts of stuff you get in-game by, you know, mm -hmm. accomplishments, certain levels, beat, that kind of stuff. And the cool part is, is as you're playing with this character, Sonic's from different dimensions come and join you and help out in some levels. Uh. So you'll get, like, old-school Sonic, this Sonic from 3D Blast, blah, 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 all that good stuff. So you do get Sonic still. So you know those of you are going, well, it's a Sonic game, and I'm not playing a Sonic. Don't worry, you'll be all right. You still get some Sonic, or you know what? Just make your Rebel Hero look well, exactly like Sonic, and you'll never have to be without Sonic. <laughs> but when Sonic comes in and goes, "Hey, who are you?" and you go, "I'm Billy," that'll be just total <laughs> dissonance. There, I don't, I do not appreciate that. I don't like it. I'm scared. Uh, I would be too. Exactly. From what I hear, the boss battles are pretty fun. The levels are a little awkward, especially the 2D ones coming off of Sonic Mania being like spot on and fantastic. These uh, yeah, are a yeah. little bit off-paced, a little bit quicker, not quite up to Sonic. What the, Well, what traditional Sonic is, I should say. Uh -huh. But if you don't know what that is, I doubt you would know the difference. So for those of you who aren't huge Sonic buffs and ritually go back and play the old ones or have Sonic Mania and love that one to death... This might not be an issue for you. And if you liked Sonic 3D platforming, which I not a lot of people did, but you are not a <laughs> you are not a human that exists in this <laughs> exactly. world. Then this might be for you. It's rating, you know, across the board. If you want to take a peek, go ahead. I'm just letting you know <laughs> that it is out. And I hope that the people who enjoy this type of game go have a dang blast with it. Last but not least, it's a game I've been excited to see. I've been waiting for it a long time. It's Hand of Fate 2. This dropped on the 7th of November for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Developed and published by Defiant Development. That was really hard to say, but hey, I made it through it. It's a sequel to Hand of Fate. If you loved Hand of Fate, you're going to love Hand of Fate 2 because it's way, way better in lots of different ways. And I'll tell you more about those later in the episode. Number five. This is the title I've been waiting for, Matt. I can't wait to get my hands on this one, and that is Doom for the Nintendo Switch. Yes, boys and girls, it has finally arrived as of November 10th. This one's published by Bethesda Softworks, and it's developed by ID Software, as you all should know. And it was actually released last year for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. But they finally went ahead, put in a whole bunch of tender love and care, and got this sucker to fit on the Switch. Were sacrifices made, Matt? 
Oh yeah, sacrifices Probably. were made. I, yeah. Also, buyer beware. If you want Doom, you do need to buy a separately priced micro SD card with 32 gigabytes because the game is large and the Switch can't handle all that right at once. So make sure you get that if you're going to purchase Doom. They had to cram a huge game onto like what 20 something gigabytes or maybe it was 30 gigabytes. It was a, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a small amount. And you can see it. You can see it if you go stop and you actually look at the roses. You'll see that some of the textures have been dumbed down a bit. It does run at 30 frames per second instead of 60 frames per second. So but you're on this little. But you're on the hand. tiny screen, unless of course you're plugged in. So if you're, it wouldn't matter. Besides that, I still would say that the texture part doesn't matter either, because the whole premise of Doom, if you're not aware of this and haven't actually played the other ones for the uh, other platforms is you run and you gun it is a relentless shooter and by that i mean you never stop because if you stop you die so you're constantly moving grooving shooting wrecking monsters wrecking those demons and getting to the next area and you keep doing it over and over again while you're doing this you're not really going up to the different environmental objects and like standing there and staring at them so the way they did it i think works real well because the demons themselves still look pretty damn good. The outlying backdrops still look gorgeous. It's just some of the textures here and there. Little things you wouldn't normally go look at that they went ahead and dumbed down. You know, And then, of course, with the 30 frames per second, that kind of stuff got it. So this plays on the Switch just like you'd play on the PlayStation 4 and the mm-hmm. PC and Xbox One. And it's fantastic. It does look good. It runs smooth. When there's a whole bunch of enemies, you know, you get a minor, you know, minor flicker here and there, but it's nothing. It's fine. It's a blast. I can't wait to finish it because I never did finish the last one. I got all the way to the end, and then I don't remember what came out, but I'm I'm looking forward to actually finishing it all up now. Oh, yes. This game looks fantastic. Now, one quick question is I thought I had heard that the original one had some kind of multiplayer mode. Yes, and I know it totally did. Isn't that something they also... Uh, yes. Like it's a separate download it's or something separate download. on this one? Yes, just so everyone's aware, in this one, when you download the game, you're only getting the adventure. If you want the multiplayer, mm-hmm. you have to go through a separate download to acquire that because they just couldn't fit it all into one big... Uh, dump. I think that's a pretty good way of doing it, though. I mean, Call of Duty has done it on PC now, where if you just want this or this, it's kind of separate downloads. I mean, it's different in this case, but what do you want Doom for? You want it for the story, the single-player adventure. Exactly. Do you want the multiplayer? Well, to not compromise the single-player even more, just download it. It's its own it's separate fine. entity that you can go grab up. If you buy Doom, you do get access to it, but you've got to go look for it and grab it separately. Yeah. And a lot of people were ragging on Doom's multiplayer back in the day, and I'll give it that it wasn't all fleshed out, but they've done a lot of modifications and tuning since then, and from all reports, it's not half bad. It's not as bad as some of the other titles out there you can probably get, but yeah. fun all the same. Plus, the music in this game, as everybody knows, is fantastic, and that stays true on the Switch version, so... There you go. Do some metal, kill some demons, have a blast. And as of right now, it is the only big first-person shooter mature game on the Switch. So what else are you going to get, suckas? Number four. 
up next, I promised it earlier in the show. I'm putting it here because my second topic kind of kind of dovetails into our big main discussion. It's Hand of Fate 2. Like I said in the intro, I was a huge fan of Hand of Fate 1. When I heard Hand of Fate 2 was in development, I went jumped out of my chair and I went, Woohoo! Ah, hot dog, here we go. And then it was like nine months later and they went, Hey, it released. And I went, Oh, oh yeah. I almost totally forgot about that. But the Hand of Fate system, if you don't know how this works, basically it's kind of a deck building game where you put in cards for encounters, equipment, all kinds of good things, and then the dealer will put in other unique encounter cards. You shuffle them up, and then you lay the cards out in like a uh, like a path fashion. You can choose, you know, kind of which card you jump to, et cetera, et cetera, and you take your token, put it on the card, flip it over. It's an encounter. You do what is on the card, essentially. It'll come up with a little storyline. It's like, you know, uh, the Rusty Razor Inn. So it's a story about how you go into the Rusty Razor Inn and you can, you know, talk to these three people. And each of those people will have something else for you to do. And you kind of just solve these encounters as you go along. On the way to, in the first game, it was just a boss at the end of each level. I'll use quote fingers there. This one's got a little bit more of a detailed story, like each in, each encounter or level you're going through. It's It's got its own overarching story, plus the companions you can get in this game, which are also new, have their own unique companion cards, which flesh out their story with you. Like the first companion you get in the very first level of the game, he's a bard slash mage, and he's kind of tricksy, and he's trying to, trying to find a cure for some kind of disease he's got, and so each... Each level you're going through, you can put his next encounter card in there, and when you solve each of his encounter cards, it unlocks the next one in the series. So you can go through, you know, push the bandits out of the villages in this level, but while you're doing that, you go with this guy, find the thing, you know, meet up with this other dude who has this other quest for you to do, etc., etc. It really fleshes out the whole world, whereas before in Hand of Fate 1, it was just, hey, you gotta go kill the Jack of Skulls. He's a bandit guy, and that was it. Now here, like I said, you're trying to clear out villages, you're trying to impress like a, a priestess with your with your fame that you've built up as you're going through her towns and, and such. It's got more story. It's got more atmosphere. There's an actual world in it this time. The overall board where you check the levels, it's like a big game board, essentially. You can see your progress as you're going across the map, the different areas you're going to be going to. It's really cool. And then in addition to all that, goodness, there's so many more improvements and expansions to the systems. Instead of just, you know, cards, now you got dice, you got like wheels you can spin to do other kinds of stuff. It's really hard to explain without going into a million billion details, but instead of like a skill check, you're either picking success cards out of a shuffled deck, you're rolling dice to try and match a number, you're spinning a wheel to try and land on a right space. It sounds not that interesting, but if you're into board games at all and video games, this is a really nice mashup of the two. Now, I got a question for the the board game portion. That's first, correct? And that kind of sets up the stage for the level portion? Yes and no. I mean, the board game is basically just your world your world map. Mm-hmm. So you're just moving the pin to each of the encounters you're going to have. So it's not really like you're moving a guy on the world, but you're just, hey, the, the high priestess level or encounter is here, and it's up in the north on the mountain. And then that whole encounter is themed around your ascent up this mountain. You got, you know, avalanches and blizzards and all kinds of other unique encounters to just that area. But then, yes, once you choose that, then you build your deck of cards, the dealer puts his cards into there, shuffles them up, and then you're doing the card-to-card encounter bit. 
Gotcha. Fantastic. Yeah, that was the only part I was curious about. I was like, well, do you get to the level and then he does the cards and then sets up how this level's going to end up for you? Like, you know, like you said, success, failure, poison, extra damage, da 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 that kind of stuff. Essentially, yes. And then the there's that card part of the game, but then the third part or the second part or however you want to think about it of the game is, hey, whenever you get into combat, it warps down into a third-person brawler, which kind of controls in the in the Batman Arkham style where you got quick attacks and then you can counter enemies' attacks. They have a little flash that goes above their head. If it's green, you can counterattack them. If it's red, you got to dodge. And in this one, the enemies are built up a lot more. They've got different attacks. You've got different abilities you can use. It's really, really interesting. It's, I mean, it's it's more Hand of Fate in the way that it should be. If you liked Hand of Fate, you're going to love this one. It's got a little bit, little bits of tweaks here and there to make things better, and then just to expand more and more and more on that world. I got a couple nitpicks, but they're really minor, so I'm not even going to mention them. So if you like board games, card games, story-rich games, just any kind of fun luck of the draw kind of stuff. If you like any of that stuff and you like video games, you need to be getting Hand of Fate too. And if you don't know if you like those things, watch some videos. The voiceover of the dealer, the way he kind of hooks you into that world with his comments about what you're doing in these cards. It's really good. It's really interesting. I'm a huge fan. Go pick up Hand of Fate too. Yeah, here tell the dealer's kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. He just loves to pick with you, mess with you, and all that good stuff. He he really makes some snide comments. There's there's one that I'll spoil, but the that high priestess one. You're you're sending this mountain trying to get blessings from the different areas so you can impress her, like with you know, because she's a holy person who will bless you. And like as soon as you start in, and I'm reading the intro text about why we're gonna go do this thing, he goes, ah, once more you find yourself embroiled in churches and holy leaders. How unfortunate for you. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm just like, yes. What a jerk. Awesome. Uh, yes. I think I might like that. That was that was one of those ones I just stumbled upon, and I was like, Hand of Fate, it sounds familiar. I remember the first one. Mm. And then I was like, click, click, did some reviews, watched some gameplay, and I'm like, I should play this. I mean, it feels like if we were playing Arkham Asylum or something, where you pick it up and you read the little story about why you're doing it, mm-hmm. instead of just... Bandits attack, fight bandits. You know, there's there's a reason for yeah, it. It's, it's like, really oh, cool. the cult of this has come here, and now they want the soul of this child, and you're gonna get stop. And it's like, oh, it's fun, okay. And and that's the best part is once you know that card, like damsel in distress or whatever. Oh well, I know that gets me a bunch of food. So in this other area where I'm short on food, I put that in my deck so I'll make sure. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Man, damn it. Yeah, dude. It's good stuff, man. Number three. So it's been a long time coming, Matt. I'm going to be talking about a game that's near and dear to my heart <sighs> once damn again. God, I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about it when we were setting up the show. I look up and see your wise-ass grin. And, oh, crap. He's right. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, everybody that's been listening to this show a while knows probably what I'm talking about. It's one of two games. And it happens wake to me be- up. Wake <laughs> me up when you're done. All right. All right. Horizon Zero Dawn, The Frozen Wilds, the one and probably only DLC for this game, has arrived as of November 7th. And if you don't know, the developer was Gorilla Games and was published by Sony. It is a PS4 exclusive. 
It is an amazing game. If you have not played Horizon Zero Dawn, it's on the tongues and lips of all the peoples out there for Game of the Year. Will it win? Probably not, because, of course, Zelda and Mario Odyssey. But that's not what we're here to discuss on this particular episode. So, diving back in, a smart move. This game brought a DLC at the end of the year so that people who had played it earlier can get back into it and remember how great this game was and, of course, hopefully draw people who haven't played it at all to come play it in the first place. What happens in this? Well, unfortunately, I was kind of hoping that it was going to take place right after the events of Horizon Zero Dawn finished up. That is not the case. It kind of takes place in the middle of the story of Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah. So I'm a little disappointed in that just because it's a weird feeling to have beaten the game and, and seen what happens and how things go and where you're going for the next, you know, horizon whenever that hits. And then come back and all of a sudden you're back in the middle of things and and nothing's none of those things have happened. Now the mm. only cool part is is when you go to the entrance to where the cut is and you get the mission and you start climbing up the walls to get to the new area, Silen, who is the guy who helps you out the whole time through this game, comes up over your little comm and he's like, Hey, what the heck are you doing off on this side adventure? You literally have to go stop this thing and save the world. Why would you waste your time with this? And then, of course, Aloy's like, ah, I do what I want. And he's like, of course, you do whatever you want. Whatever. Go on this adventure and waste time. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it kind of does at least acknowledge that it's weird that there's this giant thing about to happen literally in the game seconds from now that's going to destroy everything, and you're just mm-hmm. going to go climb a mountain and go play in this uh, frozen wasteland. So uh-huh. it's funny. But it is a little saddening because I wanted to see what the story took place. Now, what is the story? You go into this area called the Cut. This is where the Banuk tribe's been hiding out at. It's all snowy expanse, mountain ranges. There's this huge volcano with this red smoke and lightning all coming out of it. Something bad's going on there. The Banuk are all going nuts, trying to figure out why the machines are going crazy here, becoming even more powerful than they are in the original game. Which, if you don't know, some of those creatures will kick your butt. You have to literally figure out their weak spots, as you're supposed to do in the first place. Set up traps, do all sorts of fun things to kill them. While the enemies in the Frozen Wilds are even tougher. So, if you don't go in there at least level 40, you're probably going to get smacked around like nobody's business. Especially by some of like their mini-boss type characters that they throw in there willy-nilly in different events. And speaking of events, this expansion has a new hunting grounds for you to participate in. It has a tall neck for you to go have fun with. It has the bandit camp set up so you can go take out a whole bandit camp again. Everything you knew and loved and got used to doing in the original game, you're going to get to do again in this, basically. And then it all ties into the story, which I thought was pretty clever. And I won't spoil how it all goes down, but it ties all those in to make sure that you participate in all those events and enjoy them and then that's how you progress throughout the rest of the expansion i gotta say the environments look fantastic the snow in particular when you're moving around as i told you before like moves with you as you're kicking and then like you know it makes waves and crumbles and stuff instead of just little stupid video game holes like most games do as i cried and whined (laughs) and went on about in the original game this game is gorgeous And when you're in it, you feel like you're in this game. A lot of people have been saying that they're upset that this does basically the same things that the other, the main game did. They didn't really create anything new and expansive and break the mold. 
and I get it. I mean, I, I part of me is like, oh, I really wish there was like this super new concept or super new thing they started playing with to maybe change something up with Horizon 2 later on just to make it even yeah. more fun. But to be honest, I'm just in this world, and I'm just enjoying doing these things all over again. That's what I was just going to say. There's so many games where, you know, a DLC comes out and it's just more of the same, but the fact that you're back in that world that you put all that time and effort and love into, that you get to go back into it and just sink your teeth back into it, that's what makes it. It sounds like this is basically more of that. That is. It is more of that. And the other complaint I've heard a lot is that it went to a snowy environment again, and you already covered a large snowy environment in the main game, so people were kind of hoping that it was going to be a new environment. But this game... I want to say it doesn't stick to reality, but at least tries to kind of have a, a vibe going to it. So it's not going to be like your World of Warcraft or type game where, hey, just come over this ridge and magically you're in a jungle now. Magically you're in the Now desert. you're in the sewer level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, you know, maybe in Horizon 2 she's going to find her way to it in another regular deciduous forest environment or something neater that you haven't seen. Who knows? But for this one, hey... They went north where the Banuk were. Well, it just happens to be more snow because that's where the Banuk like to go. What do you do? Get over it. Go in there. Go to them bandit camps. Go to the cool little caverns and find those animal figurines because guess what, boys and girls? There is a new set of collectibles. It ain't coffee mugs, but it's cool little animals. Oh, yeah. You know you want to collect them. <laughs> I'd rather have some cool coffee mugs, though. Uh, well, look, set those coffee mugs right were on the awesome. desk. That would be amazing if they actually... I should check that out if they really did do the coffee mugs and then I could I purchase bet, them. I bet, I bet you can at least find somebody on Redbubble that did the coffee mugs. Oh, man. Jeez. And to finish this up, there is a, a couple new weapons, some new modifications. Uh, what else is there? Some new armor for you to get a hold of. A new currency to get set armor so you can't just walk in with your uber character from before and just buy everything immediately. There's a whole new branch in the skill tree. So if you're maxed out like I was, as soon as you pop on, make sure you hit that up because you're going to be able to unlock most of those right from the word go. Because nice. you're going to have a whole bunch of extra points. Because I think they have you, you need to be 30 plus to go into this. So if you're at 50, well, guess what? You've got enough points to start buying the stuff. And it's not really a big deal of a skill tree. It's just helping you while you're mounted. You can pick up herbs and whatnot. You can repair your mount. You can repair uh, beasts that you've uh, changed to your cause. Just small quality of life things for the most part, which are very helpful, very useful, but not needed in any way, shape, or form, just to make the game a little bit quicker, a little bit smoother. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. If you already have Horizon, go pick this up because you'd be a fool to miss it. If you haven't played Horizon, I'd recommend you get your butt on it before the end of the year comes and then it becomes a moot subject. It's a no-brainer, fantastic game, and the DLC perfectly matches how great the original game was, in my opinion. Number two. So to intro this next segment, I'm going to read verbatim the text that I sent Eric when I found out this news. It reads as, quote, <clears throat> Fuck, EA bought Respawn, the Titanfall guys today. Goodbye anything good about Titanfall ever again. Oh, oh it is not that bad, man. <laughs> Come on. But for anybody who doesn't know, Titanfall and Titanfall 2 developer Respawn was acquired by EA officially for, I think it was like 450 mil in that range. So they are now the 
I mean, they were already under the EA umbrella, but now they're like, they're in the handle. They're the button you push to make the umbrella springs come out. Looking into what happened here and, you know, what was going down, I was really interested to find that they were also possibly going to be acquired by the South Korean publisher of their Titanfall mobile game, and EA kind of had the rights to snap them up, which they did. And why am I concerned about it? Why am I not happy about it? Because Titanfall 2, all of its maps and all of its modes that have come out over this past year and new ones have just been coming out even into late this year, they were all free. They made that commitment. No charges for any maps or modes at all. You can buy cosmetic stuff for money, purely cosmetic stuff that doesn't help you out at all. You can get new Titan skins, basically, that have new lines of dialogue, new executions, but they don't play any differently. You know what I'm saying? And so I see that the big conglomeration that's out there to control the world and make every single thing a games-as-a-service thing, they're going to look at this, what is this free DLC stuff you did? What? How did we ever let that happen? From now on, every single DLC is going to be priced. Every single thing. Every... I made myself so sad just reading the text that I put myself right back in that mode, and I can't even I can't even form the whole the whole segment together anymore. I'm just so sad. But you know that's how your business needs to operate. They make DLC, you got to pay for it. I mean that's hard yeah. work from developers, you know, and they just want to give that stuff away. Well, maybe that's why they went under, Matt. They weren't making they any money. They didn't go under. They didn't go under. <laughs> but I, I do wonder how that affected things, especially because of the way that Titanfall 2 sold. I don't have any solid numbers, but, I mean, EA themselves put it out like the week before or after Battlefield 1. I almost feel like this is like, hey, we might be able to buy these guys soon. Oh, hey, your new game's coming out? Oh, let's put it right here next to the 800-pound gorilla. Oh, you didn't sell that well, did you? Hey, you know what? Come here. Come here, guy. Look, look over here. Now yeah. you're part of us. Just yes. absorb into the side. And Rrr. then they pooped Visceral out, and then they made yep. room for Respawn. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Visceral and the tie-in there that I just learned about again today as I was re- researching for the show, I mean, obviously Visceral was making a Star Wars action game that got canceled when they got killed off. Now, I found out today again that Respawn had already been tasked to make a Star Wars action game, and that's still in development. And then looking at the details, or you know, the supposed details of the contract that was released in which they got bought, there are definite performance-based incentives or initiatives in this contract, depending on the Metacritic scores of that Star Wars game and Titanfall 3, if and when that does come out. I was already sad, and then I saw that, and I was like... Well, so if their Star Wars game doesn't do great, they can just, oh, well, snip, snip, snip a and then maybe these guys will be gone, too. I don't no, I, I, I don't want to be that negative, but <laughs> it this whole thing just has me with a big frown on my face. Well, I, like I want to add to this frown because I'm wondering on this. <laughs> You're supposed to turn my frown upside down, <laughs> no, not make my frown deeper and sadder. I'm reading more details here. and Okay, because it says Respawn's going to be working on a... Uh, a Jedi-focused Star Wars title. Okay, mm-hmm. now you remember why Visceral was having these issues. Remember, in the questioning, uh-huh. they were like, hey, like, where's Wookiees? Where's, where's mm-hmm. Jedi? Where's Luke Skywalker? Nobody's going to yep. buy this game. Where's the Wookiee? The big dogs were sad and scared because the Visceral's title was not going to have all the, the big names and faces you, 
you know, all the morons who know nothing about Star Wars have come to love about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So I like how it's phrased, Jedi-focused Star Wars title first off, and then second off, later down in the whole spiel, it says that Respawn Entertainment will now be a part of EA Worldwide Studios. Various developers and employees from the organization's partnering studios are now working on a reworked version of the recently canceled Visceral Game Star Wars game, following that mm. studio's closure. So it sounds like Respawn, along with some others, are all going to be getting their hands on some of this, you know, what was visceral Star Wars title? Does right. that mean is that a whole separate title from the one Jedi focused Star Wars title they're working on? I feel like it I is think it because is. I know I know these guys have been working on a Star Wars title for a while based on what I was yeah, reading. Based on what I said, yeah. But I would almost think that they'd be better off working on the visceral title because we said it before. It was like some kind of crime drama where you mm-hmm. have g- blasters and shooting and action. And what is Respawn known for? Shooting and running and jumping and all kinds of fun sci-fi action. Awesome smuggler type action. Yeah. And if you're doing a Jedi-focused game, that says to me, third person so you can see your Jedi and see your lightsaber, melee combat. That is not what Titanfall was at all. I mean, your Ronin Titan was pretty cool like that. So, I mean, maybe you can translate just that in. But this, this sounds like another, hey, you really like making your your one style of game. You like your, your horror shooter for Visceral. Well, why don't you come over here and try and make something totally different for us? And then when you don't do it well, we're going to get grumpy and, and close you down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to say I doubt that would happen, but it has happened. I don't want it to happen here because Titanfall 2 is and was fantastic. And getting those DLCs just, hey, here's a whole new map and you can just play it now. That was amazing. I don't want to lose all that stuff. And I feel like I'm going to. I feel like you will because they're going to want to make sure they profit off the developers making that content. Otherwise, they'd put the Mm. developers on other titles and other content. But I feel like the game itself could still be amazing and then with the full push of ea instead of just the help of ea who knows maybe it'll actually reach a a success that it hasn't seen yet yeah i mean when you were saying that it's like well yeah i am just being selfish i know when they gave you the cart and cake it's hard to say well the cake goes bye bye now well i was just gonna say that i was you know on there looking at the store right now and there's the whole like uh there's like a whole horde mode they added to the game and when i was reading all about it and watching the videos getting hyped i was like man that's gonna be so cool i'd pay like 20 bucks for that oh it was free well as long as the quality is still there i'm not gonna mind paying for dlcs i would say at least for the modes the maps i'm a little iffy on but I don't think I would mind as long as the quality's there and as long as the whole big push is there, like you said. As long as they're getting, you know, their own special release window with, you know, the publicity, the the marketing, all the hype. You can just load them up on the train and go. Because Titanfall 3, as long as it's got all that stuff, is going to be amazing. Because Titanfall 2 was 10 times better than Titanfall 1, and people still love that game. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. I hope it does very well. I'm always been I've always been a fan of mechs and such, but mm. I just haven't been a fan of first-person shooters cuz I generally suck at them, but hey, you know. I feel like I'm starting to to warm to it a little bit, but I just feel like I just feel like all the all, all my good things could possibly get taken away for stuff that doesn't really have anything strictly to do with Titanfall. 
Know what I'm saying? I Especially with this saying. whole this whole Star Wars conglomeration finagulation that EA's been doing lately. I don't know. EA, I didn't stand up for EA per se, but I was never on the big hate EA bandwagon. But mm. after they dumped my boys at Visceral, you know, so <laughs> I got a little bitter, a little bitter in my heart. I was never on the super hate train because they always do release good games, but at the same time, once when you start buying up like everybody, you're kind of that that big douchebag corporation. And especially now with the Visceral stuff and the Star Wars stuff, it's getting ridiculous. It's getting out of hand. Hey, well, time will tell, Matt. We'll find out here in the future. And, of course, I'm sure we'll get 50,000 more stories to report on in the in the next year or two about these Star Wars games and whatever else they're working on. So on IG2G episode 60, when I have to complain about <laughs> Respawn getting shut down, yep. I'm just going to say, I told you so. Exactly. Number one. So let the bad news continue. Layoffs and closing studios and all kinds of bad shit galore. Woohoo! What a time to be a gamer. Oh, Woo. yeah. It's okay, though, Matt. This used to happen all the time, and it's going to no, keep happening no, from time to no. time. People never lose their jobs in the game industry, no. let alone the okay. tech industry, let alone the real world at all. Companies so never, I, companies never buff up for a project and then trim fat after it's over that's not a thing no, that happens that's wrong no oh. wrong terrible okay I, I thought i thought that was the way things worked now i know mm. i know we don't like seeing it but yeah unfortunately when you get into gaming and you're making something that's way above what you normally do or people expect something beyond what you were doing you have to buy in you have to get more developers in artists etc and then when that project's over, generally you go, okay, well, that was great and fun, but we don't need these extra 17 mm. developers, these extra artists, whatever it is. We have to let them go or let it go. The other ones that were crappy and keep maybe some of the new guys who are better than some of the old guys. But either, yes. however it goes, that's just the way business operates. Yeah, And I think that's the perfect tie-in to the first one I wanted to talk about. And I just wanted to breeze over it a little bit because it, it isn't a whole studio closing. It's not some major loss, but it was publicized. It was up on Kotaku a while ago. I think this actually happened in late September. They were talking about, quote, fingers, big layoffs coming to Volition, the developers of Saints Row and most recently Agents of Mayhem. And Agents of Mayhem didn't sell well, and then... They laid off, I think, 30 people out of their development team of around 200, like a couple weeks or a month after the game launched. Like you said, I think this is just that, hey, we brought everybody on to make this new game, make this new project. And even if it was performance-based, hey, it didn't sell real well, so we're going to kind of trim the fat here. This one, That one kind of made sense to me. It still made me sad because one of my favorite developers was losing people. But I feel like this one is one of those. It probably probably was needed. It was something that yeah. was going to happen. But it's always, like you said, it is always sad. And, you know, mm. sucks for them. And But I did see a lot of outpouring for people to, uh, you know, different developers were posting like, hey, you know, we're looking for this and this and this. You guys and gals, come on over here, apply. You know, maybe we got something for you. Yeah, and another situation in which we saw a lot of outpouring of support and, and love and people was I think one of the most recent ones We'll just jump right into it. Telltale Games laid off 90 workers, which is about 25% of their workforce is what people were saying. Mm -hmm. And that one came on the heels of no major releases, I don't think, unless the 
Guardians of the Galaxy one just finished up. Yeah, that was just wrapping sure. up. Yes, it Guardians of the Galaxy is out and wrapped up its final chapter. But still, 25% is a pretty big number. Now, the one thing I will say on this one is there was a quote in the Kotaku article saying that on top of these releases, they would also move internal development over to more proven technologies as a result of this big company-wide restructure they were doing. And I thought this was kind of, that part was kind of interesting because people got to speculating about, well, maybe they were working on a new engine, but they found it didn't work. So they just kind of cut a big chunk of that team out and went back to their old engine or you know, someone else's pre-built engine or something. I thought that was a fun uh, speculation river to row myself down for a minute because, you know, their latest games have all run on that same, you know, Walking Dead type engine mm-hmm. and to varying levels of success, I would say. Some of them run pretty bad. Well, there's that. that's one robo to go down. And mm-hmm. uh, another robo is that, uh, well, this is a fact. They got a new CEO and he came in and, of course, what happens when you get new CEOs? They, they wanna, keep everybody on and give no, them happy bonuses? That's not how it works. They want to oh, restructure, no. figure out where they can put their mark on the whole table and change things to be better, smoother, make more money, et cetera, et cetera. What that usually means is that layoffs occur, departments are compressed, combined, changed, all that good stuff. This is a natural thing that happens when these kind of events take place. So I would say it was just... Something that was going to happen regardless because it needed to. Because from all reports, they were a little bit bloated. And it makes sense because Telltale was so small back in the day. And then all of a sudden got these couple big titles and just skyrocketed. So you can imagine at the time, they're like, we got to keep the pace up. We've got to keep this this show going. So they were hiring left and right, getting all sorts of people, you know, experienced, awesome people in there to do these stories, make this content. And now that things are kind of smooth sail, smooth keel, it's like, all right, maybe we don't need this and that. We can change this. He can, he or she can do this and that, blah, 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 blah. And that's one thing that I'm really hoping that will come about either maybe this is why they did it or will come about as a result of this you know, restructuring is I'm hoping that they kind of dial it back a little bit because for a while... Like you said, you know, Telltale had some small games. They were puttering along just fine, and then they blew up, and they were having, like, new series out every couple months, it seemed like. Or, you know, at the same time, while Tales of the Borderlands is going on, here's freaking what, whatever else it was. Here's Walking Dead Season 3 in amongst Minecraft story mode, in amongst this, in amongst that. And, and they all, well, we've said it before, the interfaces and everything all feel really samey. So I'm hoping that if they do dial everything back maybe they'll dial their releases back too. have them you know here's minecraft season two or whatever it is boom that's done let's work on this and make it feel unique you know to that that franchise or that series and really kind of streamline it and make it smoother make it unique make it a more tighter feel i think it's always good when a company sits back and does that that's just unfortunate. Once again, as always, for the people that didn't get to stick around, which was really weird, too, because there's a lot of guys and gals, for, especially from the Telltale, I'm sure from Volition, too, but I didn't really hear about it that much. Mm-hmm. But from Telltale, a lot of people that were there for many years, rocking it out since some of the beginning titles were let go, and that's you know that's always a sad thing when your life and your culture is part of this thing, and snip, and now you're afloat in the world, and it's like, whoa, that sucks. Mm-hmm. So we know how that feels. Yeah, we've been on that road before. <laughs> Sorry, guys and gals. It'll be all right, maybe. 
<laughs> I wrote you this cool book about what to do if we were ever gone, and now we're gone. <laughs> yep, and you didn't use the book. <laughs> nope. And then you just sold the things because you couldn't figure it out. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> and I think last but not least, we'll talk about a perfect world here. A perfect world in which we shut down two studios in just over a couple months, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Perfect World Entertainment, the Chinese publisher, has shut down the studio behind the game Gigantic, the hero shooter. The studio was called Motiga. I think the game is still supported for now is what they've been saying, but that studio is just gone and out. And it's not too big of a surprise because hero shooters just aren't doing it. No, there's no market for that. Overwatch is it. That's just the way the world works. It's time to get Apparently. out of that. I mean, whatever happened, however that magic worked, that's it's crazy, but that's the truth. Nothing else is working. It is so weird to think about how, hey, we had one big giant hit. All right, well, let's let's kind of copy that like the industry always does. Movie industry, book industry, freaking video game industry. All right, let's copy all that. No one bought any of those. Oh, okay. The only one that's seen that's a marginal amount of success is Battleborn and then, what was it, Paragon or Paladins? Paladins, right? Uh, I I heard good stuff about both, but I don't know about sales. One of them, well, one of them's just a literal League of Legends, but over the shoulder view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of them's a hero shooter. That oh, I th- I think Paladins is the hero shooter because I've seen okay. the Lansing based video game developer people playing okay. that, and they're they're running around shooting stuff. Gotcha. So the only two that I know of that have seen a moderate amount of success were Battleborn and then Paladins, and as everybody knows, Battleborn's finally. Um, went ahead and jumped out. They released their last bit of uh, content recently, and mm-hmm. now the community that's there is there, but I don't think we'll see any huge uprising for that anytime soon. So mm-hmm. you're kind of just down to Paladins and, of course, Overwatch. And Paladins, is, I think, only made it because it was just free-to-play from the word go and yeah. just hop in, and they, they quite liberally made their characters based off Overwatch characters and Battleborn characters. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I've I've only ever seen people playing it twice. It's always one of those things that was like, ah, that looks kind of cool. Maybe I'll check it out. And then I got back home and I was like, look at this backlog of games I have. Uh, I don't know, whatever. So mm-hmm. I'm tempted to check it out now just because of that. I want to see how uh, how cheesy the ripoffs are. Because oh, that's cool. that's always fun when you see those articles about. Oh, here's a here's a Chinese MOBA that uh, literally just like palette swaps people or like took Mercy's head and put it on Soldier, and mm-hmm. now she's a, a Valkyrie shooter person or whatever. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, Perfect World went ahead, and I didn't even know that these two were affiliated. They were the publisher for Runic Games. Oh, such a sad story. And the people behind Torchlight and Torchlight 2, which, from what I recall, were enormous success. Well, not enormous successes, not, they were successes but were, but but were really enormous. popular and yes. really successful. And then the recently released Hob, which I'd never heard anybody say anything bad about, but it didn't seem to blow up like no. you, know, you would hope well, it would. You're in a market right now with too many good games. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is the year of dreams and, and all that good stuff because That's the true. games this year are fantastic. And from what I heard, Hob was a pretty solid game in and of itself. But when you're pretty darn good and then you've got great and perfect mm-hmm. up in here, it's hard for you to get a great foothold in there and really make a profit. I don't know if they did or not. Apparently not enough because yeah. obviously they went ahead and shut down. And the saddest part was, is if you didn't know, the guys at Runic were some of the individuals that worked on the original Diablo 
Mm-hmm. And of course, through time, wanted to do their own thing, didn't necessarily agree with or whatever the, the direction the you know successors of Diablo went in. So they thought they could do their own thing, and that's where Torchlight One and Two came from. So if you loved the original Diablo, these games were kind of like a homage, homage to that, mm-hmm. and they were freaking awesome. They were wonderful, a lot of fun. The old just dungeon grind, getting that awesome sweet gear that you could just do over and over and over and never get bored of yeah uh, I, I i've never been a big dungeon crawler guy a big diablo person but i got into torchlight really heavy for a long time plus i mean just all the like you said the streamlining ways they did it like hey my bags are full well i can send them with my pet send him back to town to sell while i sit here and, and dungeon crawl some more it just it just felt so good and it was it was easy to just pop in do like four levels of a dungeon town portal out it it wasn't like a big time commitment. Mm-hmm. I I love that game. I have torch I have Torchlight Two as well. But I always told myself, well, I'll play that once I, I beat the first one. But from what I saw, it was, you know, like Hand of Fate and Hand of Fate Two, just expanded more classes, more ability to do stuff, better graphics, and everything else you could want. They are even though they're closing Runic down. So there's some boys and girls left over to make sure that Hob and their other systems keep running. So if you mm-hmm. purchase their games. You will still get to enjoy playing said games, which is you know really cool of them because they could have just said, eh, we're done. Click, 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 and it's over. But they didn't. So if you own those or still want to buy them and play them, you can and enjoy, of course, the community that comes with them. And I believe in the, in the uh, press release or the statement that the head of Runic Games said, he, he added that for those that love the Torchlight series, there will be some news coming. So I don't know what that news would be if it would just be, you know, here's an expansion we were going to work on, here's some kind of thing, or maybe we're retaining the rights to that and we're going to spin off and become another new develop, you know, a, a second development house that spun off of, you know, previous failures. <laughs> Who knows? But that that at least put a little bit of light at the end of that tunnel. Just, hey, there's going to be something. And you wouldn't say that unless it was something good. Yeah, exactly. Especially with the news like that. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be like, oh, by the way, uh, we just kind of like. <laughs> and by the way, if you're a fan of Torchlight, you're not going to be able to play it ever again because we're retroactively <laughs> sucking the copies off your computer. Exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, yeah, there we close the show with a great, happy, big, shining light of a topic. And look, everyone's out of a job and everyone's fired and all your favorite developers are gone. Hooray. Oh, man. But it's not all bad. It'll be okay, everybody. This is the kind of thing that happens. Don't sit here and think <laughs> doom and gloom. These guys and gals are going to land on their feet. There's tons of jobs out there. As we've already discussed, the outpouring of different companies saying, hey, we could use this and this and that and this and this and that. I'm sure these people will be all right at the end of the mm. day. And they'll go on to make more of your favorite games further down the line. They might be different kind of games. They might be different genres. They might... Or they might just be spinoffs of these type of games. Who knows? Look for that in the future. That's right. All right. So unless you got anything else, is it time to wrap it up? Time to wrap up, man. Imposters Wrap Up. So as you always hear in the intro, this podcast is brought to you under the Third Shift umbrella. So if you guys got any questions for us, any comments, any concerns, if you just want to say hi, you can do that via email at info at thirdshift.me. You can tweet at us at thirdshiftme, and you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift. And we do have a Patreon set up. We already have a whole bunch of lovely patrons already over there helping us out, supporting us. We appreciate all of you. You guys and gals are fantastic. 
We treat it like a tip jar. If you like what you hear, throw us a buck, throw us five bucks, throw us a thousand bucks. Anything and all things are appreciated. If you can't, because you know what, money's tight, hey, understandable, no big deal. You can support us also by giving us likes, thumbs ups, five star reviews, feedback, questions, all that good stuff for our mailbags. It's very much appreciated. It helps us move forward. And we look forward to hearing from you in some way, shape, or form via all these fascinating means. Yeah. And, of course, this podcast drops every two weeks on Tuesday. So we'll be back in your ear holes on the 28th of November for our very next episode. And you can find that episode on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on Podbean. And as Eric said, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a subscription, a comment, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services because it does help us out and we really do appreciate it. Five-star reviews put us in the stars where we belong. Oh, yeah. Stars. And with that, unless you got anything else, Eric, I'm just going to say, don't forget forget to save. save.